Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Well, the FBI says Chinese hackers could wreak havoc on the United States. Hackers could wreak havoc. And Elmo wants you to have a sunny day. And um, everybody is talking about this awful, unbelievable beheading that happened in Pennsylvania. Just insane. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210. Strap in for six hours. It's a big day for us. The Zioli Army is going to be going all the way up till 9 o'clock tonight. Because I'll be filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. So at some point, probably around 5.30 or so, we're going to probably replay something so that I can take a little breather and walk around the hallway. It's just one of those things you got to do. Otherwise, you, your mind gets insane when you switch from doing this show to that show, which is like basically going to somebody's house for the, for the day. You want to respect their house. When, when, when hosts fill in for me, uh, with the exception of Michael Pelka, who just, you know, r- ruins the place and d- does whatever the hell he wants, quite frankly, and just usually burns it down. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but you always you always want to respect the house you're in. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes I'll get notes from people and say, oh, I, I heard you filling in for Levin. You sounded great, but you're, you're a little different from your show in Philly. Well, A, it's not my show. It's Mark's show. I'm just trying to hold the, the steer the ship till he comes back without crashing it that's all i'm trying to do i'm not auditioning to take over for him i'm not trying to take over for him i, I i'm just there to do it. you know what i mean so that's all that's how i look at it and when and when, when my fill-in hosts are are kind enough to respect the show and the space and i, I always appreciate it back so that's kind of how I, how we do it but but doing the national shows are a little different because the clock is different primarily and you know this if you listen to those shows our three o'clock hour on this station and our 6 p.m. hour are very similar in terms of the structure of the breaks the four o'clock and the five o'clock hours are not uh, but the national shows are always the same all three hours same structure same clock same breaks and they have what's known as hard breaks hard outs where you have to take a hard out at a certain time or otherwise you would just get cut off because what happens is that they turn it over to the affiliates at that point for them to run their local commercials and whatnot so you got to hit that hard out you know, which I, which I, by the way, I'm terrible at because I don't follow the clock on this show. 
and I've never followed the clock, and I used to get in trouble for it all the time. Then, then they just gave up trying to make me follow the clock because I, 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 I couldn't. I used to get in trouble about that constantly. Like, we have a clock. You have to follow it. We have a clock for a reason. And blah, blah, blah. But then they realized it's a losing battle. He's not going to listen. And it's not that I don't want to. I'm not trying to be uh, derelict or a bad employee, although God knows I am. It's just I forget. You know, I start going on these tangents and tirades, and next thing I know, it's we blew through a commercial break. We have the flexibility of doing that on this show, though. On national shows, you don't. You have to be very structured to the clock. It's another reason why I, I love doing this show so much, because we have a lot more leeway and flexibility. It's also kind of the same with television. I've told you before, you know, when you do television shows, everything is very much, you know, you've got a three-minute hit, and it's you're in, you're out. That's it. Everything at boom, 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 boom. You don't really have the ability to go on long form things. Some Sometimes you can kind of in the opening of the show. And sometimes Tucker would go on for 25 minutes or something like that. Jesse Waters will do long monologues too. But it's a little bit different in terms of when you are a guest on a TV show or during the day or something like that. Anyway, uh, so let's talk about a lot of things for the next six hours, shall we? Or five hours and 45 minutes. First of all, I had a laugh as I was listening to all the little tech executives today in front of the Senate. I had a laugh for two reasons. Number one, the grandstanding by these senators is just, oh, that's just unbelievable. So much grandstanding. The second thing is to to listen to these tech CEOs who are all billionaires act like they really care. You know what I mean? Like they, like they care. It's also charming and cute. We talked about this yesterday. In Florida, there's a bill right now to ban social media use for kids 16 and under. And I took calls on it. We read a lot of tweets on it. We all kind of as a team agreed, I think you and I would agree with this point, if you were listening during that part of the show, that we all think it's a bad idea. It's got wonderful consequence, intended consequences. But what, what always happens is with these things are the unintended consequences. And that's the problem is that as I was listening to this today, I kept thinking about these are the sites that young people are most commonly using that we know of, but we don't know what we don't know. And we don't know about all the other sites that they're on that because they're way ahead of us in this, in this area, they're way ahead of us. You know, there are teenagers right now using apps that we as adults may not find out about for a year or something like that. And the only reason we'll find out about it is because something will happen to someone or it'll be, it'll be a bad news situation that brings it forward. But the biggest problem with making people, with banning people on social media until they hit a certain age of 16 is that you're actually letting them on social media probably at the, the time when they're going to be impacted the, the most emotionally yeah, because they're, they're at that, that point where they're going to start internalizing a lot of this stuff and, and feeling bad about themselves. And as the girls are going to their sweet 16 and they're getting ready for the prom and then all that stuff. But it's very hard to police that. And, and it's very hard for these social media companies to police that too. I mean, yeah, you can yell about pedophiles all day. And I, I agree. I mean, obviously that's got to be job one, but I think that's the easier job to accomplish. And I'm, it's amazing that we're even having that conversation. But when you get into the whole thing about kids being bullied online and kids being harassed online and kids making other kids feel bad, I, is, is there really a way for government to solve that? problem i don't think so i've been thinking about this a lot because i have three kids you know patrick's nine and he's uh, he's at that point now where he's he plays minecraft with his cousin and his friends 
and they all go online, and I'm always making sure that they are who they say they are, number one, because I don't want to be in a situation where I find out my son is actually playing with, you know, some 30-year-old man in his basement. So I always make sure of that as a dad. I also realize that after a certain period of time playing, my son gets stressed out, and I can tell he's getting stressed out, so I need to make him take breaks. And actually, last night we went old school, and we went and played a little Dig Dug in the basement. I, I love that game. I loved that game when I was a kid growing up. I used to love Dig Dug. I used to love going to the arcades. The arcades are making a comeback, too. Old school arcades are making a comeback. There's a, a bar in Philadelphia, actually, that has all old school arcade machines. You see them now in the Jersey Shore, too. There's, a casino, there's an Atlantic City casino that was converted into a big arcade. They have a lot of old school arcade games, too, which is really fun. But it's, di- I mean, those things are a- as analog as you get compared to what they have out there today. And everything today, even in the gaming world, is geared towards young people playing with each other. And, and that's the whole thing. And then they can make comments. You know, they can make comments up to each other. And sometimes those comments are damn right mean. So you, you, you got to kind of police that, too, a little bit as a parent. But this is, you see, the, this is the problem, though. What we're really talking about here is the fact that for many parents, they've turned over their job to social media, to devices. I mean, I, I heard a woman say today something that I, I almost crashed the car. She said, you could be in the kitchen cooking dinner and your daughter could be on an app and you don't even know what she's doing. And I kept saying, thinking to myself, why don't you know what she's doing? If she's in the other room and you're cooking dinner, why are you allowing that to occur? And, and this is, I, I think, a bigger problem of, of parenthood in general. Our kids were locked down from school for a long time. And parents had to work. Many parents had to work. So what did they do? Well, in the early days of the pandemic in particular, they would send you these assignments. And they weren't real. They were, they, you know, five minutes you watched a video or something and you had to read a book. And the rest of the day, the kids were just on their own. So what did they do? They picked up devices and they started going online. I, I'm not saying it started then, but I think it got worse. I think it got worse. There's a story out today about COVID failures, like keeping schools closed, led to eye-wateringly high death rates, according to a damning report. And the mental health toll of COVID and lockdowns is still something we're calculating. But just think about that. So the kids were all locked out of school. They were on their devices. For many times, they, they were not going to organize sports because they didn't have them. They didn't have a lot of those things. And if you want to talk about where an addiction can come from, that's three years of children being on their devices a lot. And they were also on those devices doing school. But then they weren't always doing school on those devices because, let's face it, the school wasn't necessarily virtual all day long. So there's that. And then the other problem is that for a lot of parents, quite frankly, these devices serve as a babysitter. They serve as a babysitter. You know, instead of having to pay somebody to come to the house, a teenager to hang out with your kids and watch your kids, you just sit them down in front of a screen. And that's also a problem that I don't really know the answer to. There's not a lot of there's there's many people right now who don't have the situation to have somebody be a full time parent with the children. I think everybody deep down inside would love that. I know economically not everybody can. And for some people now, they're back in the office. I got a friend of mine just got called back into the the office. No more remote five days a week physical in the office. So for a lot of parents now, they're they're back on the road, too, which is another problem that's happening. But as I think about all these things and I think about the Senate hearing today. 
I think about them yelling at the CEOs of the tech companies. I keep wondering, yes, I agree. Keeping criminals away from your children is absolutely their responsibility. No question about it. They have responsibility to do that. But in terms of dealing with your kids getting bullied by other kids on their platform, I don't really know how you deal with that. I don't know what the answer is to that. I'm not really sure there is one. I mean, we always look for solutions to these things. And I think it's very tempting to think if we just have a Senate hearing and we just yell at Mark Zuckerberg, we'll find a magic solution to that problem. I don't think there is one. Because if they're not, it used to be when we were kids, you get bullied in person. You get bullied in school. And in some ways it could be helpful. You know, if you were a chubby kid and your kids, your buddies would call you chubby, you, you might be motivated to lose a couple pounds, you know, get out of the husky jeans. Nowadays, most of the bullying happens online because we've done a very effective job of cracking down on bullying in person to such a degree. But I don't know what the answer is to that. And I, and, and, and I think uh, today was really a show. I mean, they do these things in the Senate. It's just a show. What, what's going to come from it? You know, m- maybe these companies will cough up some cash to establish a fund to deal with tech issues and social media health and all the other things. But in a lot of ways, government caused this problem, if you think about it. I mean, it was government that decided to keep kids home from school and put them on these electronic devices in many ways. And playgrounds were shut down and sports teams and sport athletic, athletic, athletic events were canceled. Remember all that? All those things that happened. And I think kids were dealing with a lot of stress. And I think in many ways, they also took that stress out on each other feeling in a virtual world like it's not as bad. But hell, we do it as adults to each other. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times on any given day I have someone insult my intelligence, which is fair. I mean, no doubt about it. My intelligence deserves a lot of insulting. But inevitably, I will write a tweet. Somebody will accuse me of being dumb or a a MAGA Kool-Aid drinking moron or something like that. I mean, adults bully each other all the time. On social media, constantly. I see it. I I don't fight on social media anymore like I used to. I used to do it. For me, I considered it sparring. Like when Rocky had to fight Spider Rico, you know, just to kind of keep the Italian stallion, had to keep his his mojo. I kind of used to look at it like that. I I would fight idiots on Twitter as practice. Every now and then I'd go in there and just a little bit of catnip, you know, for my brain. And then I just gave up because it just seemed to be defeating and I see, but I, but I see the way people talk to each other in a virtual space that I don't think they would do in real life. I, the, the person who calls me an idiot because he, he disagrees with me, I'm, I'm a MAGA Kool-Aid drinking fool. Is that guy really going to say that to me in the grocery store if he sees me? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he might. But chances are probably not. If you, like, if you have a friend who, say, was, is supporting Nikki Haley and you two are fighting about it on Facebook, and you're saying terrible things to each other. Not a friend, but so, yeah, a, a fellow traveler, so to speak. And then you meet up in public. Are you really going to sit there and just start insulting each other? Probably not. I think the safety of the social media world makes us feel like it's not as damaging. That's why when people fight over text message, too, you got to be very careful with that. You can't see tone. You know, you, you know what I mean? You can't read tone. And it's very easy for people to interpret the tone of something in the wrong way. And also people say things, they'll just type a text and say things that that are mean that they wouldn't necessarily say in real life. But again, that's just kind of human nature. I don't know if you can legislate that away. I don't know if you'd want to. Because the answer to all that, quite frankly, is, well, it's hate speech laws. 
I mean, the, the only answer to that is is for the government to control your speech and for you to get in trouble if you're mean to someone. Now, that sounds good. Again, it's another thing. It sounds good. Like, oh, if you're mean to somebody, maybe you should get in trouble for that because our children are watching. And maybe they should get in trouble, too. The problem, though, is how do you define mean? Now, it's easy if, if, if somebody insults a 16-year-old girl and says, you look fat in that dress. Yes, we know that that's mean. We know that that's bullying. We know that it's wrong. Does the girl who says that to her, should she get locked up for it? Should she pay a fine for that? Should she be banned for life? I don't, I don't know what the consequences are. The problem, though, is that if that follows into adulthood, and then the next time somebody calls me a, um, a name and I write them back and I insult them and I say the wrong thing, you know, just the wrong thing. You know, I, I say something like, you are an idiot. And they come back and say, I go by they, them. And now it's hate speech and now I'm in trouble and now I'm banned. See what I mean? It's very easy to go down this rabbit hole of when the government starts getting involved in speech to try to make us all be nice to each other, how it usually leads to people walking on eggshells and censoring themselves, and also the government censoring us too. I'll give you a a real-life example. Those stupid DEI classes that we have to take, those dumb videos we have to watch, unconscious bias training and everything else, I've noticed a huge shift in the workplace since those things came online. People nowadays are literally afraid to talk to each other at work. They're just afraid of it. They're afraid they're going to say the wrong thing and get reported to HR. Because in all these training videos, you're told to do that. Oh, if you hear somebody say something that's mean, you better report it to HR or you'll get in trouble. So now people just don't even talk. They just walk down the hallway with their head down, you know, afraid somebody's going to say hello to them. And how's your day? I don't. And then there's, um, there's always the problem now of, you know, misgendering somebody or, um, you know, making somebody feel bad about, the way they smell because they might have too much cologne or perfume on. I mean, it gets a little ridiculous, but the point is, I think what the sentiment of today's hearing was leaving the child exploitation aspect out of it, because we're not talking about that. I mean, that is an obvious one, but in terms of the kids feeling bad when they go on social media and then kids feeling bad because other kids have made them feel bad. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if there is one. I just don't. Like, I don't think there's an answer to when, you know, guys are mean to each other in the locker room or when girls are mean to each other in a sorority house. I don't know the answer to that other than you got to do a good job as a parent. You got to try to make your kids resilient. You have to teach your children that you can't let it get to you. And you have to teach your children that it's important that they don't do that to other people. But I don't really know if the government can solve it for us. I don't know if we'd want them to. And I don't know how Mark Zuckerberg solves it either. I mean, you you create these platforms where people engage with each other and they wind up engaging sometimes in some very negative ways. But I think really what we have to do with our kids is teach a lot more self-resilience. I think that is essential. A lot more sense of, listen, life is going to knock you down. And people are going to say mean things and people are going to insult you and mock you and people are going to say you can't achieve something and you got to be able to, to weather the storm here. I think so, because otherwise, the only other option seems to be just keeping them off social media altogether. And I know that that's not realistic either, because it also plays a role in the business world. It, I mean, it does. I mean, every company now has a business presence. We have a presence. This show has a social media presence, obviously, on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. I say that all the time. So it's something that's going to be here forever. And then a lot of times, quite frankly, 
what one person's satire is another person's bullying. So when I'm yesterday, I made a joke about the rumors that Giselle Fetterman took. She apparently took down all her social media. And there are these rumors that they're getting a divorce. I don't know if it's true or not, but I tweeted out a joke saying, is Giselle Fetterman leaving John Fetterman's body double? Because this is not how the movie Dave ended. And I want my money back. In the movie Dave, the body double winds up with the first lady, Sigourney Weaver. So Kevin Klein and Sigourney Weaver get together at the end of the movie. In fact, it's her uh, love for him that basically enables him to change his policy direction. So I figured this whole time that Giselle Fetterman was all in on it. She fell in love with the body double. And that's why he started to move more towards the center. Because that's where the body double is. And she's all in. And maybe that's why she left. Maybe she goes, I don't like this body double. John was a lot more progressive than this guy is. What's all this pro-Israel talk and everything? Anyway, I, mean, I, I tweeted that out last night. Am I bullying or am I being satirical? That's the other problem is I, you, when you start defining this stuff, it gets into a very gray area. You know, how many times do you have to wind up coming out? It was just a joke. I was just kidding. It was a joke. And you wind up getting canceled for tweeting out the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing. And the intention of it is, well... We have to make sure that we're being nice because our children are watching. But then really what it does lead to is self-censorship. And people are afraid to make jokes and people are afraid to be satirical. And satire also serves a very important political purpose, don't forget. So the, early, the earliest uh, days of the founding of this country, uh, cartoons were a very powerful way to effectuate change. Very powerful way. And they, would, they were mean. I mean, they're mean. They, they would write really mean cartoons about each other back then the founders well they, well they would get drunk in a bar in philly and they'd start making cartoons you know what i mean they did i mean stuff but anyway satire and mocking and humor and pointing fun poking fun at people in power is incredibly powerful it's an incredibly powerful tool that the government would love to take away from us in the name of <laughs> ending bullying and hate speech because they are the they're the recipients of that when you're mocking the powerful, you're mocking these people and you're exposing them and they would love to shut that down. I mean, in some countries they do. They do shut it down if you say insulting things about them. Hell, Woodrow Wilson passed a bill when he signed a bill as president, worst president ever, where Woodrow Wilson came out and he said that anybody who spoke bad about the war effort, World War One, would go to jail. You know, so they were arresting journalists back then and actually putting journalists in jail. Not not the fake kind that they said Trump would do, but the Democrat Party and Woodrow Wilson actually did that in the Alien and Sedition Acts. But that was the whole idea. You said mean things. We're going to punish you. And that's absolutely happening in America already. When adults say mean things about covid or about and mean things are how the government defines them, like mean things about vaccines or mean things about vaccine side effects or mean things about Fauci mean things about climate change, mean things about about windmills, you know, false lies that climate change is not caused by man, lies that windmills cause uh, whales and dolphins to die. You know, lies you're telling, lies and you're bullying and your hate speech. It goes down into a rabbit hole of censorship and the government calling out disinformation and misinformation. And hell, they almost had a board, an entire board where that Nina Jankowitz, and it's still there, it's just, you know, they've just kind of changed it a little bit. I would sit there and decide what was real and what wasn't, what was bullying and what wasn't, what was misinformation and disinformation. So the answer to these things is a little complicated. 
but I don't know if there is one other than parents have to just be more involved here in their kids' lives. And I know that that's not an answer in every situation because, A, you're not going to be with your kids 24-7, and B, for a lot, of, a lot of kids, their parents are not in their lives. But that also doesn't mean that government can step in and solve the problem. And I'm not so sure these big tech companies can either. Because what we're really talking about is human nature. Are we not? I mean, there's a capacity of human nature to be mean to each other. And you just have to, I think, teach your kids not to be and teach your kids how to be resilient when it occurs to them. But beyond that, I don't, I don't think there's some kind of magic bullet here. And if there is, let me know, because eventually my kids are going to be exactly in this spot. Patrick's nine, Claire's seven, Reagan's three. So my kids will absolutely be there before I know it. And I don't want them getting bullied on social media. I don't want them being feeling bad about themselves. I don't want them getting depressed on Instagram. But I also know that I don't, I don't know what bill Congress could pass that would change that. I don't know what, what secret little maneuver could be done to, to change that either. And, I, you know, that's the problem. 855-839-1210 is the number on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. A lot to chat about today, including that awful, terrible beheading in Pennsylvania. Just un- unreal what happened here. Uh, and the Department of Justice is acknowledging, I think, what we have all known about China. China is absolutely trying to bring down our cybersecurity. This is the big story of the day today brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria. VenariaDental.com is where you want to go. VenariaDental.com. He's my dentist. In fact, Bridget had an appointment with him today. Her whole family goes to see Dr. Mike. VenariaDental.com. And the question about Fawny Willis and whether or not she and her office covered up a crime, a major crime by one of her staff members. We'll talk about that as well. Plus new polling out, real problematic for Joe Biden. It ain't good. Not good at all. We'll be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Democrat cities are getting hammered by the invasion at our southern border. There's a lot of uh, that going on today. The mayor of uh, Denver coming out and saying the city's at a breaking point. Every hotel is full. And the governor of Massachusetts crying as she talks about how she has to turn a rec center into a refugee place. So we'll get into all that with you as well throughout the show today. 855-839-1210. So uh, if you have any ideas on what can be done with social media to make it a more hospitable place, let me know. I think, for example, Nikki Haley's idea of everybody registering for a social media account is just so antithetical to freedom. And this is the problem again with age verification. Because if you're going to make, say you, you, you have a rule, no one under 16 can use social media. 
Well, how do you enforce that? You make every user have to identify themselves with some sort of government document, which then doesn't allow you anonymity on, online. I mean, they, even if they say, well, once you're verified, you can then create a fake name or fake profile, but they still know who you are. You know what I mean? You've just, you've turned over your government documents to whatever the entity is that's going to verify this. So you lose that ability to be anonymous online. And I'm sorry, but I think anonymity in public speech is incredibly important. We never, the, the Federalist Papers were written by using pseudonyms. I mean, we have to realize that. And we've had a long history of that in this country. And I don't want to lose that. I, I also don't think you have, the government has no right to know what you're saying about it. It doesn't need to know what you're saying about it. The government, unless you're, I mean, literally threatening in a very, very specific manner, it's none of the government's business who you are if you're out there criticizing the government or criticizing politicians or anything like that. So every solution carries an unintended consequence, it seems to me, to grow the power of government. And as Republicans, unfortunately, conservatives sometimes fall for this because it's a reflexive idea of, well, we have to keep people safe and then we empower the government and then they wind up taking that power and weaponizing it and using it against us for political purposes. Exactly like I told you, what, 12 years ago, the Zioli Axum in the earliest days of the founding of the Zioli army. And that's really what they do. Let's take, for example, CISA. So CISA is this government agency that's supposed to make sure that um, our cybersecurity infrastructure is safe from, from bad people. But of course, now we know uh, recently what came out regarding CISA and censorship and how CISA was involved. I talked about this not too long ago on the show, how CISA was involved in censoring people. Um, and a new report, CISA tried to cover up their censorship practices. House Judiciary Committee put that out. So every time you create a new government agency or every time you create a new law or every time you create a new this or that, that, that you're always giving, you're empowering the bureaucracy with, with powers that will then be used by people with agendas. It's just like Captain America says in Captain America Civil War. What he says, these, he's talking about the United Nations. And he says, you know, these things are run by, by individuals who have agendas. And his whole point is that those agendas can change. And this is the problem. And this new report that came out revealed CISA tried to cover up its censorship process, uh, practices. So that this is the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Sounds great. Sounds great. Who would be against that? The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Except that they actually colluded with big tech and disinformation partners to censor American citizens. I mean, how do you distinguish bullying from misinformation? I mean, I'm, I, I mean that sincerely. I, if I come out and I say, listen, here's the deal. All right. Here's the deal. You. You are not a man. Yeah, I'm sorry. You are not a woman. If you say you are, if you're a man. And that is just a scientific biological fact. And I'm going to say that because it's the truth. Leah Thomas is not a woman and should not be competing against women. Am I bullying Leah Thomas? Is that bullying speech? You're damn right it is, according to the left. Of course it is. A hundred percent. So should I be banned from saying that? The, again, they always use the children as the opening act here with everything, don't they? The children. It's for the children. For the children. 
always the opening act is for the children. But it never stops with the children. It always extends to adults, too. So now if I come out and I say that that biological man is not a woman, you could argue I'm bullying Will Thomas. I'm bullying him. And that that's mean and that should be taken down. And you'd have a lot of people agreeing with you, by the way. You'd have a lot. In fact, uh, there was a poll recently done of college students. And I want to say it was maybe recent college graduates, maybe 35% agree with the idea of hate speech laws. 35% thought censorship was, a, was an okay thing and that there should be ways to penalize people for their speech. So all these things, and, and, and I'm telling you right now, that the, the, the real secret here in all of this is that all these lefties who run these big tech companies, they would be fine with it. They, you didn't have to ask them very very hard. Like you didn't have to, it wasn't a big ask to ask them to censor COVID quote-unquote disinformation. It wasn't a big ask to get them to take down the Hunter Biden laptop story. I love how we're all acting like they really didn't want to do these things. The government had to force them to do it. All the government had to do was just ask them nicely, and they went along and complied with it. And then for a show, they turned around and said, well, we really had problems with doing it, but, you know. And then it's climate change. You know, that you're putting out disinformation about climate change, and you're, you know, if, if, if I... If I disagree with somebody and, and and I don't use the right words when I disagree with them, am I bullying that person in the public square? And what are the consequences of that if we've decided that that's online bullying and cyberbullying? And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but with kids, it's different. But is it though? I mean, if if a if a 14 year old kid, 14 year old little boy, young man, I should say, young man, 14 year old young man says, I'm sorry, but boys are boys and girls are girls, and I refuse to say otherwise. And what if he says to a 14-year-old boy who's identifying as a girl, I'm sorry, but you're a boy? Is that bullying? You know, the left would say it is. No different than if a girl told another girl you look fat in that prom dress. So what happens? Do they, you bet they come after that kid. You see, this is the problem. These, these tech guys, they'd be all in on hate speech codes and censorship codes. Oh, all in because they're all lefties. They're all lefties. They, they want to make money first and foremost, obviously. But number two is that they, they agree with all of the, the dogma of the left. So when they said, take down posts that criticize Fauci, they were like, okay. Take down post that said the uh, the COVID vaccine was was not going to stop you from getting COVID. Okay, take down post that said uh, COVID shots in young men could lead to serious heart problems. Okay, twist my arm, you know, twist my arm. All right, I'll do it. I don't want to do it, but I got to do it. So then it's a it's a it's a scam. The only people in the end, I think, who really get hurt are conservatives because if you are a conservative kid. Your speech is going to be considered bullying in many aspects. Well, think about it, right? If you come out and you say, as a Christian, say you're a Christian, you're, you're 15 years old, you're a Christian, you have your Christian beliefs, and you don't believe that marriage is um, anything but between a man and a woman. You have the right to believe that. It's still the United States of America. And if you say that to the wrong kid, well, now you're bullying. So now what? You get kicked out of school. You get kicked off a social media platform. Who defines bullying? Who defines what being mean is? Obviously, it's always the people in power. 
and people in power change and their agendas change too. Say you're a conservative kid and you don't agree with the notion of equity. And you say to another kid, I'm sorry, but you don't deserve my family's money. You don't deserve to get the money that my family's worked hard for. I'm sorry you and your family are going through a tough time, but I don't believe in equity. You bullying a poor kid? Damn right you are. Hell yes. So if you actually just quoted, say, a, a quote from Dr. Thomas Sowell in basic economics and threw it in their face, that would be considered bullying. Of course it would. It's very easy to get caught up in the notion of saying we got to protect children from being called fat. Listen, I was a chubby kid. I was. Mama Zioli will tell you. I wore husky jeans and I ate jello pudding pies. A lot of them. And I did wear husky jeans. And I did get some fat jokes directed my way. But it led me to lose weight. Because bullying can be very effective in that manner. It's very easy to look at that on the surface of them. Be like, I can't put, you know, some young girl gets bullied about her looks and then commits suicide. And that is a horrible, horrible thing. I'm not, I'm not discounting that. But the problem is, if you just look at that and you go, yeah, we got to crack down on that. So, yeah, we need to ban bullying and punish people who bully and blah, blah, blah. Well, what about, um, you know, somebody who says uh, this and that? And then suddenly now you've opened up a whole can of worms here. You know what I mean? And now you're talking about, oh, oh, well, let's also add this group to bullying. You know, like they're always adding groups to the DEI categories. They're always adding this, this victim class. Like, well, what word today? should be included in there as well. You know, what, what, what's the new bullying term that we're not really seeing? And then the left will come up with something, you know? And what if you say to somebody, really, one kid says to another kid, makes a joke about them having a limp. You know, that's an, you're an ableist, ableist bullier. You're, you're bullying by ableist speech. Or what if a kid comes out and says, you know what? I think there's way too many um, parking spots reserved for people with uh, disabilities. I think there's too many. Uh, it's wasted space, wasted spots. I think we have to revisit this law. We have to take another look at it. Are you bullying disabled people? Are you bullying them with your thoughts and your ideas and your speech? If you say it directly to one person who happens to be disabled, are you bullying that person? You're just getting, you, you're going down into a bad place here. 48%, 48%, my God, it's even higher than that. of college students believe the First Amendment shouldn't protect hate speech, according to research from the William F. Buckley Research Program at Yale. And I think a lot of the times what happens is there's a temptation by Republicans to want to attack these guys, the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world and the other people. That's it. I mean, it looks good on camera. It sounds good on camera. They're the bad, evil tech villains and everything like this. And no doubt. That when it comes to child exploitation, they have to deal with that. There's no question about that. But a lot of times the grandstanding, what I worry about is that when you're grandstanding a little too much here, you're opening up the door for them to turn around and say, well, here's the answer. Here's what we propose. We propose this list of things that you can't say. We propose this list of, of ways that we can instantly ban people from, you know, from being on the platform. Or we propose the following. In fact, and then it goes, well, why don't we add that to a monetary fine? Because really... They could just change their profile into a new profile. So really, there should be consequences. Well, maybe the parents should face consequences. If if their 15-year-old saying something, maybe the parents should be held accountable for that. And maybe we should have the FBI raid their house and drag the father out in cuffs because a, a kid 
bullied a young girl about getting an abortion. What do you mean he bullied her? He said she shouldn't. It's a life and she should keep the baby. He bullied her. Well, the parents are at fault because he's a minor. So now we're going to drag the parents out and arrest them. You don't think the Department of Justice Office of the Civil Rights with this kook in charge right now just just had six pro-lifers found guilty of, <coughs> excuse me, um, they were praying and singing in a, outside an abortion clinic. Now they're facing 11 years in prison. You don't think that kook would love to have the FBI slam your front door and kick it in with all their vests and their long guns? Drag the parents out for the crime of having your, your son bullied a young woman who needed an abortion. No, I mean, you got to be real careful with this stuff. But anyway, here's some of the grandstanding today. Here's Lindsey Graham yelling at Mark Zuckerberg. Um, and it was the CEOs of Meta, which is, which is Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, Snap, Discord and Twitter. Cut number one. I've come to conclude the following. Social media companies as they are currently designed and operate, are dangerous products. They're destroying lives, threatening democracy itself. These companies must be reined in, or the worst is yet to come. Uh, Gavin Guffey is a representative, Republican representative, uh, from South Carolina in the Rock Hill area. To all the victims who came and showed us photos of your loved ones, don't quit. It's working. You're making a difference. Through you, we'll get to where we need to go so other people won't have to show a photo of their family. The damage to your family's been done. Hopefully we can take your pain and turn it into something positive so nobody else has to hold up a sign. Uh, Gavin, son, got online with Instagram and was tricked by a group in Nigeria that put up a young lady posing to be his girlfriend. And as things go at that stage in life, he gave her some photos, uh, compromising sexual photos. And it turned out that she was part of a, a extortion group in Nigeria. They threatened the young man that if you don't give us money, we're going to expose these photos. He gave him money, but it wasn't enough. They kept threatening and he killed himself. They threatened Mr. Guffey and a son. These are bastards by any known definition. Uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, you and the companies before us, I know you don't mean it to be so, but you have blood on your hands. You have a product. You have a product that's killing people. Well, I, I, it's it's heartfelt. I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't I don't know how to. Yeah, I mean, as a parent, it's the worst thing you could ever imagine in your life. It seems to me that the easy answer is parents have to be more involved in what the hell their kids are doing online. But I know that that's not a magic bullet either. I get that, but I also don't. I don't know how Facebook's able to police every instance like that. I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how they can. I don't, I just realistically, I don't know how. And I don't want to fall into the temptation of thinking that this abdicates parental responsibility because it's very easy to fall down into scams in life. I mean, real scams outside of social media scams. And my dad always raised me 
to be street smart. You know, you talk about book smart and street smart and trying to be street smart and making me recognize when somebody's uh, trying to play me and scam me. In the real life, I know it's easy, easier. In the virtual world, it may not be. But, I mean, how much role do parents play in, in, in trying to have to make their kids be acutely aware of this stuff and how they could fall for this and then knowing what their kids are doing online? Because it's easy to yell at Mark Zuckerberg. I get that, but what is he, what, what's the remedy for it? And what's the, how, does, how does that get fixed? If, if a parent is not right on top of it, whatever safeguard they put in place, the bad guys are going to find a workaround. Because they always do, because bad guys always find workarounds to that sort of thing. So it may not be a Facebook thing or an Instagram thing. It may be an email thing. It may be something they do through a video game that they're playing online together. Maybe through a fake job application. I don't know, but there are bad actors, bad people and bad actors in the world. I don't know how you could either say the government or a company has to protect your own kids because it's just, it's not realistic, I think, in the world that we live in today. What do you think? 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Now, child exploitation stuff is totally different. I mean, any instances where you're dealing with kids and pornography and all that, that's completely different. And that has to be dealt with in a big, big way. I'm not talking about that, obviously. I think we all know that. Uh, 855-839-1210. All right, we got a lot to talk about as the show continues, including the latest on Iran. A controversial surveillance law is up for renewal by Congress again. Will they renew it? That is the question. Let's hope they don't. I'll tell you why it is, once again, antithetical to liberty. Oh, Lindsey Graham went on to compare social media companies to cigarettes. Is that what, it, that's what he did? Social, yeah, yeah, arguing that if we regulate cigarette, cigarettes, we should regulate social media as well. But, but that, I, I don't, I, that makes no sense. The cigarette's a physical product. How do you... I also think that most oh, I gotta of break. the I gotta break. All right. that, oh, Henry's sorry. yelling at me. I got to break. All right, we'll come right back. We got a lot more to talk about. Weigh in on this. Give the call. Matt will answer. 855-839-1210. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. All right, listen. Here's a breaking video from James O'Keefe, a, a top White House uh, cyber official, saying that they want to replace Kamala Harris and they want to get rid of Joe Biden. Shocking, right? We'll get into that with you in the four o'clock hour. Remember my theory yesterday? What if they put Kamala Harris on the Supreme Court? You know, Justice Sotomayor Sotomayor doesn't want to be there anymore. And that's how you get rid of Kamala. Then you have Joe Biden step down. You replace them with Gavin Newsom. And there you go. We'll talk about that. Big four o'clock hour straight ahead. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.